Welcome back to Caminantes. This episode will feature three artists from the upcoming Wasiga Chuck Begins to Dance, an annual development festival of new indigenous works, produced by our festival partners, Native Earth Performing Arts. Where I find joy in my process is in anything that makes me laugh, anything that tickles me. If I have an idea and I just go like, hee hee. If it's not serving you, then you can just leave that behind you and try something else. It's that shiny thing over there and then I get distracted. Even those like moments feed into like when I return to the work. This episode, we chatted with three talented performer creators, Shajen Scott, Joel Peters, and Brefni Caribou. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am Brefni Caribou, and I am going to be uh, continuing my work on, on my audio piece, Savage is a Word in the English Dictionary for the festival this year. Woohoo! Ani Bajou, my name is Joelle Peters. I, um, I come from the Ketchewanong Territory, Walpole Island First Nation, but I spend a lot of time in Toronto. I'm currently in Banff. Um, doing the Indigenous Playwrights Nest. And in the festival, I am, um, I'm actually not presenting a piece. I am doing a bit of like a conversation so that uh, I suppose people get a better sense of what the piece is about and maybe a bit more about me as an artist and human. Hey, I'm Cheyenne Scott. I'm straight Salish of the Sandwich Nation and Norwegian settler descent. I grew up off reserve in Kamloops, BC, currently hanging out in Toronto for the last 10 years and also in Banff right now at a little, a little studio across from Joel. <laughs> yeah, we're like next to each other. That's amazing. Aww. And what are you going to be doing in Wasikachuk this year, Cheyenne? Uh, I am going to be witnessing the work and contributing to some discussion about the pieces that are uh, being presented. Very interesting role. So what does developing a new piece look like for you three artists? Because uh, Wasika Chuck is a new work development festival. It's all about making space for that like tender first try. So. In your opinion, what is essential to your development processes for new work? Wow, we're starting off easy here. <laughs> I can say time. I'll start and I'll say time. I feel like I've had many, many first steps with this, with my piece in particular, and have had like very many versions of the same thing for a very long time. And I've learned not to stress about that and that like, working on one thing for a long time is okay as long as you're as long as I'm happy with what I'm coming up with so yeah that's that time is essential <laughs> for me because it's been a long time coming and it's still it, it still feels new it still feels tender and new the work yeah and if I could kind of piggyback on that like it, it feels like my process is pretty similar. I've been working on the same show for uh, a few years now. And I go through like periods of time where like I really focus on it. Like it's kind of like the main thing in my life. And then I get whisked away into another project and then, oh, what's that? What's that shiny thing over there? And then I get distracted and, and um, 
even those like moments feed into like when I return to the work, like they, they help shift the way that I'm thinking about what I'm writing or like the characters and the world. And so, yeah, time is also for me, like a really, um, a big gift. Uh, I'll say for me, like mine is curiosity is essential for me, like being curious about the world around me, um, being curious about the characters, like just being able to like try something out is like really important. And being curious is sort of a privileged place to be in. Like you have to have like a lot of you know, your basic needs being met in order to like achieve curiosity. Um, so you really have to like take care of yourself and and find a way to like support those needs as well. And I'll, I'll also say like something that's really essential to me is really what the festival offers as a playwright is like being able to connect with community and have other voices in the room to share in the work. And when you're making a story that's meant to be for community, I think it's important that they're like also involved in the development process of that so that they're able to like respond to being what's being made. That's all, that's all I got. <laughs> Speaking about that, what has been the impact of showing your work in process in a festival? Like maybe something you can remember, like one thing is like, I met this person, I would say meeting community or like how the audience reacted to something. Or... Oh, audiences. <laughs> I miss I miss you. Oh, I can I can jump in. Um I remember the first time I shared uh, a section of a story that I was working on in in the festival like in 2017. So it was my first festival and I remember making a connection with an audience member who had also had a, a complicated relationship with their name. Cause I was talking about, you know, my, my name, my spirit name, my adult name and how much uh, grief it had given me or how uh, um, frustrated I felt with that. Just thinking that, you know, not thinking that I was going to get the response that I did, which was that that person came up to me and was just like, yeah, me too. I had never considered that before that, you know, and now it seems obvious that of course, I'm not the only person who has been given a name where they're just like, what, <laughs> what is this? What is this? Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so that's, that's a, a distinct audience memory. I will say though, that like, I really value the like live aspect of theater because that way like the performance can be responsive to the audience too like just the way people breathe through it or like the sniffle or the laughter that comes like fuels the performers and then that like shifts how the story is being told in that moment and so that's something i do miss about digital um but that's also like one of my favorite parts about like being able to share work in in the festival setting but i totally i agree with that i like my work has not been seen live like where it is currently. The The last time that I think there was a bit of um, an excerpt shown would have been maybe 2018, 2019. And like, it's totally shifted since then. So I don't know what's really funny. What do people connect with? It's like had two workshop presentations online. And so like, you can kind of, you kind of gauge with the chat function, like 
when people are like, LOL or ha ha ha, but are they really, or? <laughs> I, well, I also, okay, something about digital that I like with new work is that I, for a workshop that I did on another piece called Wolf Call I'm working on is I sent out a Google doc with questions for the audience. So then I got like all this data of like, which character did you connect to the most? Um, what did you think the symbolism of the wolves meant? Like, you know, <laughs> I was able to get like really specific um, feedback that way. Um, that doesn't always happen in a live situation. Google Docs. <laughs> what role does humor play in your work, in your writing? Well, I don't think I'm particularly funny. <laughs> I have to like, I, I really try hard to, and I'm sort of just trying to give myself permission that maybe I'm not the most hilarious comedian ever. So <laughs> I'm just like letting that be okay. Also that like, maybe my humor is more like a hmm hee hee not a full not a full-blown laugh so but i do think it's like essential that there is moments of relief and moments for those things to happen i just don't think i'm particularly brilliant at it yet <laughs> if you could give like your younger self a piece of advice like based on what you've learned over the past while what would it be like whether it's artist work related or just general life stuff? What's something you kind of might want to tell your younger self? I think my first impulse is like, if it's not serving you, then to change it up, like try something else, like do it another way, um, say no, you know, if it's not serving you, then, then you can just leave that behind you and try things, try not try something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I'll also say, you don't have to say yes to everything. Kind of bouncing off of that. You actually don't. It's actually fun. You can say no. Yeah, I'm going to tattoo that somewhere on my body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've been trying to like reinvent my development process because it hasn't always been fun. Like it's been really a slog sometimes or like a struggle to like push through to like just get it out on the page and so i've been experimenting with like ways to make creation more joyful for me and to step away from the computer sometimes so i'm curious like what do you guys do to bring joy into your creation process hmm. that's a good question because I think for myself, I'm still really into the standard, like sit in front of your laptop vibes. Like it still seems to be working for me. However, um, just over this past year, I've been finding um, it's harder to shut my brain off at night as I'm trying to go to sleep. And that seems to be like the best time for me to get ideas about things. So I'm constantly like trying to sleep, da, 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 da oh, thought about this character. So then I have to like go to my notebook, like write it down <laughs> before I forget. <laughs> so that's been really interesting. I don't know what kind of process that is, but <laughs> it's neat. Yeah, I need to get up from my computer a lot. And where I find joy in my 
process isn't anything that makes me laugh, anything that tickles me. If I have an idea and I just go like, hee hee, I'm like, okay, well, what is this? Like, what is that character's voice? What do they sound like? What else would they say? And often what I will do, <laughs> my poor basement neighbors, um, I will pace around my apartment, like in a bit of a figure eight and a bit of like a, in a dance around my apartment and just like, oh, these couple of phrases, oh, these couple of phrases, and maybe this subject and maybe this, and then I'll have my laptop open at the table and I'll go for a second and then I'll get back up and I'll move my arms around and I'll be like, blah, blah, blah. And I'll just start brainstorming out loud. I used to do a lot of like audio recording of myself, um, but then there was just like way too many hours of, of audio footage that I was like, okay, I can't, I can't listen to myself talk about things that like mining for that one little nugget that, that might be in there. So now I just kind of do it live and have my laptop close by and, and go back and forth and back and forth for a while. And also just like letting it go. Like if it's just a good solid hour, I call it a good solid hour. And then I'm like, okay, next thing, whatever it is, laundry, life, food, because I'm all, I am also somebody who like, I can put a lot of pressure on myself to be like, this is, it needs to be this. It needs to, a routine needs to have certain kinds of structure that, uh, I've never been able to follow in any aspect of my life. So I don't know why I would fool myself into thinking that it would work for my writing, the thing that's supposed to be so much fun. So that's how I, how I maintain joy. I follow those threads and I, uh, I try not to judge myself. But I'm wondering, Cheyenne, you said you're working on it. Do you have any, anything that's working for you right now? Yeah, I got some watercolors from Beam Paints. They're an indigenous yeah. uh, watercolor brand. And so like, I'll just create images of the characters that I'm trying to create. Like, I think if I could visualize them, that's kind of helping to understand them better, like what kind of clothes they would wear and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes I like cut up questions, like prompts and put them in a hat. And then as the character will draw them and then like try and answer the question as a character. My big thing is that I just love being outside. So I've really developed a little bit of like a land-based methodology. So gathering a lot of like information about the world of the play by actually going to the spaces that the world of the play is taking place on and then like gathering observations and information from those experiences that's all i can think of off the top of my head but experimenting <laughs> that sounds awesome best of luck in the next few months with everything that's going on in the festival and in your lives can't wait to see all the beautiful things you make yay thanks so much for having us thank you you will not want to miss Wasika Chuck Begins to Dance, a festival now in its 34th year. This year's festival will once again be presented virtually and feature multiple artists exploring land-based creation processes. For more information, visit nativeearth.ca and check out our show notes. We are speaking to you from the shores of this beautiful Zaga Egan, known to some as Lake Ontario, in Toronto, or Dugarondo. This is the ancestral territory of the Haudenosaunee or Longhouse Confederacy, the Anishinaabek Nation, the Wendat, and the Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum and Treaty 13, also known as the Toronto Purchase. At Aluna, we remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. 
We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect, and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial. Radio Aluna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theatre with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, and TD Bank. Aluna Theatre is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shellness with Sue Ballant. Radio Aluna Theatre is produced by Monica Garrido and Camila Diaz Varela. For more about Aluna Theatre, visit us at alunatheatre.ca, follow at Aluna Theatre on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Miigwech and Nyawangoa.